Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house. Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34. It. And it is over. Zero losses. Zero doubts. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva the Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer. And we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week, twice a week in our standard weekly previews and our every so once in a while Twitter space coverage. Um, we did one recently. Uh, after the shootout, we have not put it in our RSS feed, but it is on Twitter. If you'd like to check that out, you probably wouldn't because who wants to hear about Xavier anymore? Not I. Let's be um, honest. So who wants to hear about that <laughs> game anymore? I agree. Literally no. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> talking about things that were successful. Our bowl game sucked. Uh, not fun. Not, definitely not a great time. Uh, I think we were victims of the opt-outs. It was in the Fenway Bowl, and in Fenway Park, cramming a football field into that with literally like zero fans because nobody wants to fly to Boston for a bowl game that's like the week before Christmas with like zero notice. All of the things in company, like it just made for a not great experience. And if you watched the first half, you were probably like the 90% of the rest of the fan base who, when we're missing, Pretty much all of any quality starters that would give us a shot at winning this game were not in the game because they opted out for the draft or because they didn't want to play in the game. They're all gone. The game sucked. You probably stopped watching at the half. Um, I don't really know if there's much else to say about that. Steve, if you have anything else to say, please console me. Why the heck are you talking bad about Fenway Park, dude? <laughs> dude you, you're talking bad about Boston like that? Especially when the Patriots are playing the the Bengals this week, dude. I, I, how can you talk about Boston like that? 
Well, well, watch watch the final play of the Patriots game this week, and um, that'll do enough for you. If you haven't seen oh, that, Jacoby please watch Myers, it. It's, he sucks, it's, dude. It's insane. Dude, he sucks. Insane. I've never seen anything like that before. Talk about, like, J.R. Smith moment. Goodness gracious. He stinks worse than, uh, than like, Kyle Bloom and the Red Sox right now. Okay, all right, I'm done. I'm sorry. That was uh, – I, I, I tried. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't really Get have out. anything else to say other than – Get out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully the players enjoyed going to a historic baseball venue that um, I don't know how many of them like baseball, but uh, you know what? Uh, it sucked and we don't really have to talk about it anymore. So yeah, <laughs> I'm glad much. we don't. Well, that's but all I will say real that. quick. All I'll say is that it was a no lose game for Cincinnati fans because uh, if we won, you know, you get the king of nails. And if you lose, you're like, oh, damn, Scott Satterfield's teams when they're at full, st- even when they're not at full strength, they were better than this 2022 Cincy team, which I think underachieved. And we can lead that into our 2022 discussion, Justin. But yes. I think there's some positives to be taken out about the kind of style of defense and offense that Scott Satterfield played. And I don't know, Louisville fans seem to hate his guts. So I, you know, but Louisville fans, they can't be trusted in any sort of discussion. No, no. no. I mean, it, it, the whole state of Kentucky, like burn the entire state of Kentucky for all I care. Uh, but except for Covington, Covington's nice in Newport. Uh, but aside from that, they can all burn. Um, no, I think that, I think the biggest thing here that the takeaway from what you just said about Louisville, look at their fan base, look at year over year, what they produce and the way they've done it. And then look at their athletic department, dude, look at basketball, look at football, like over the past 15, 20 years, there's some success there for sure. in both rights. But also underlying through all of that is a dumpster fire of like a, I hate this program, but I'm its number one fan. Like from everybody, from the coaches, from the players, from the fans. Like it's Louisville is just like so weird because you know that it's a super passionate fan base that also will like throw literally anybody under the bus so fast. Like it's, it's, just classic Kentucky like sports that that's that between UK and Louisville. Anyways, that's enough (laughs) on Louisville and the state of Kentucky. Um, We're at the point in the season where now we can kind of look at everything holistically, one big picture and try to wrap it all together. Um, So this is going to be a mini not like super full length because I think nobody wants to hear a super full length season in review of the Bearcats 2022 football season. Um, I asked on Twitter this week, I just said, Hey guys, describe the Bearcats 2022 football season in one sentence. And there were a variety of answers. Uh, Steve, you can give me yours. Um, it was pretty simple as for most of these, there were less of one sentence and more of uh, one word. But <laughs> people not following the assignment, I see. Yeah, come on, yeah. guys. <laughs> one, one word. Um, I said a slow start, a weird middle, and an unexpected end. Uh, Justin, would you agree with me there? I think it it's the nail on the head. It makes perfect sense. Like, and it's every everybody else. I'll follow this real quick because it makes it fast. The end of an era. That's sad. Uh, glad that it's over. Also sad. Gino and Fickle gets exposed. Trestle sucks, disappointing, undisciplined. It's the hope that kills you. Wiley Coyote falls off a cliff. 
The last days of disco, the fall off the mountain had many bumps and some unexpected outcomes on the way to areas unknown. And the (laughs) law, a very long worded uh, sentence, the loss of NFL talent to the draft exposed a lack of depth. However, the team underachieved and it was obvious the team lacked focus with the ultimate result. High hopes and key injuries lead to a disappointing finish and yet another coach leaving. I think all of that (laughs) sums it up pretty good. And we still went nine and four this year. (laughs) Went nine and four. Absolutely. Uh, Utterly flabbergastedly disappointed. And we still went nine and four. (laughs) I don't know. God bless the American athletic conference sometimes, man. Uh, Not anymore because we don't have to really believe in them anymore. And we're obviously going to the big 12 now. Very exciting. I think they already replaced the field logos with the big 12 logos, which is very cool. Big fan of that. Um, I haven't seen that uh, uh, like a picture of that yet. So I need someone to go on campus and take a picture for me. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, uh, there was an article put out today by the athletic about how Ohio state fans reacted to the past month of, you know, losing and recruiting, losing to Michigan, still getting in the playoff, but having to face, you know, Georgia without like one of your best players. And um, I really thought you could have just replaced the art entire article uh, and a few different things with like Cincinnati and things that we've done. <laughs> and I think it would fit. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's like, we're a little bit spoiled. And um, I, I've come to this realization uh, also, Justin, like, I really do think that coach fickle was kind of just like kicking the can down the road this year and just yeah. saying, okay, I got to just be good enough so I can still leave. And even if he was still like a six and six season, which probably wouldn't have happened just because we had too much talent. Um, I, like there was inevitably a regression year coming, but you know, the way he left um, and we don't have to rehash it. We all know, <laughs> we all know what happened at the end. We all know, what happened at the end of last year and how shook he was that he wasn't able to get the Notre Dame job. So he was like, I got to just get the next train out of Cincinnati. And I hate that. I think that's a shitty way to leave. Obviously there's no good way to leave, but I think that one is not great. Um, I still think we should have beat Arkansas. I was just talking to someone about it today. We still, we should have beat Arkansas. They were a six and 16. We should have beat them. Yeah. We probably could have beat UCF, um, you know, and I'm willing to hand props to Tulane at the end of the year, just because, you know, Tulane's Tulane and, uh, I don't really take any stock in the bowl game just because a lot of players were uh, out and same with Louisville and no real offensive staff carryover and just, uh, you know, bowl games are more than just exhibition games now. So, but I, I think Justin, uh, just going off of our script here and I want to, uh, we'll ping pong back and forth, but I still think the most painful loss of the season was that Arkansas one, because, you yeah. know, theoretically, if you win that one, you know, and maybe you get exposed at UCF and you finish 10 and two, but it's still a 10 win season. And like, you know, it, it's still something that we, and you probably paper over a lot of the cracks. If the season goes entirely the same, other than a win at Arkansas, people are more forgiving about that. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, you won at Arkansas. You're fine. Like you're still like a good team. And obviously UCF loss would have taken that away, but, um, I, I still think that was the most painful one just because of, you know, how, how it seemed that we were just right there, but our own mistakes and our own problems kind of killed us. And it led to us being undisciplined all year. And, you know, no one's going to say that Luke Fickle's Cincinnati teams were ever disciplined when it comes to penalties. Like We got <laughs> a lot of penalties yeah. pre-snap 
uh, personal foul. Uh, there is a whatever penalty there is, you name it, we got it. So, right. um, but I still think that first one was the most painful because, you know, we hadn't lost a regular season game in over two years. And uh, it, it was the last game of the regular season in 2019, but we had gone two consecutive seasons without losing a regular season game. And I do think that, you know, obviously that raises fan base expectations and to lose that first one in a winnable game. I think that hurt. Uh, Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I, I I definitely agree with all of your points. I mean, I, I would say to the flip side of that, my pick would have to be the two lane game just because it's, it's a game at home where you lose your winning streak, which first and foremost sucks. I think it's if Fickle's leaving anyways, it alleviates the pressure off of Satterfield, alleviates the Big 12 like bubble that you're going to feel all season. It's like, all right, who are we going to get once that final schedule is finalized, you know, for that first set of conference games, you're crossing your fingers. We don't lose it. I think it's alleviates that now, but regardless that game, you win that, you're going to the conference championship. And you, you get the conference and championship. And who knows if Luke Fickle is still not here if right. they go to the conference championship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, and it, it, granted, it seemed like there was definitely a foot out the door for a while kind of thing, but like you win the conference championship, you're talking New Year's Six Bowl again. Granted, hopefully that wouldn't be the case, but seeing how everything's gone, we'd probably go in and lose that one too. Uh, just like all the other ones, but I'm going to uh, not talk about that anymore. Overall, I think it's a two lane one. It just, that that game, I think the Arkansas one, in the, in the same regard, the two lane one does the exact exact same thing. Covers your cracks, papers over everything else. Arkansas is far enough in the past. It, you lost to an SEC team, so you can quote unquote explain it away, even though you know that you're better than them. Like all of that stuff materializes. I think Tulane losing that, it's just not being in the conference championship is like not winning the conference championship is one thing, not even being there that that's tough to explain away for a team that had the caliber of talent that it had. Um, And so I don't know. I think that would be that for me. Best win of the season. I don't know. I mean, it sucks because it feels like all the important games we lost. Um, And and that's not to like give discredit to a lot of, you know, really good wins. I would say personally, best one of the season would be the Indiana game. I think, I mean, it's the most convincing win. It's got the largest score gap that isn't Kennesaw playing a FCS team. I think the Miami game was great too. Um, But I think Indiana, like we were able to just kind of put the pedal down a little bit and just score. And that, was also our highest offensive output the entire season other than the Kennesaw state game, which is actually really sad when I'm looking at this now, I'm going to, I want to just very quickly read off our scores in each of these games, not the opponents 31, 63, 38, 45. Hallelujah. 31, 28, 29, 25, 20, 27, 23, 27, and 24. We did not break 30 fucking points after Tulsa. That is sad. Like, that's actually crazy. Like, it's hard to, like, put that into into perspective. But when you played USF at, like, USF at home, Navy, ECU at home, like, those teams at home, you should be putting up 30 points. 
Temple on the road, we know what that is. UCF, you can explain away all the, but still, like to not put up 30 points, clearly it showed something was not functioning there. Well, and even in that Tulsa game, you know, seven of those points were off of the Sean Pace pick six. So, yep. you know, offense, like, I don't think the offense scored more than 30 points in a game this year because that, even that first Arkansas game, that was a 24 points, you know, because we lost. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. sorry. Other I meant to that, say, yeah, 24. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I don't know. Like, I'd have to go back and look at the Indiana game, but I, well, I guess we scored more than 30 on offense because I think that only that, uh, touchdown return, uh, like that scoop and score was the only defensive score in that game. So, but. yeah, I'm, I'm also just realizing too, that I, for, I, I didn't flip our scores for when I was reading down the list, UCF was 21 and Tulane was 24. Uh, and of course, Arkansas yeah. was 24 as well. So that's still, yeah. neither of those were breaking yeah. 30, which is not great. Yeah. <laughs> um, just quickly, I, I will say Miami just because, uh, it is still fun to beat them. And, uh, I like, I, it's, it's, getting less fun because they have lost their belief over the years that they even have a chance in the game (laughs) and there's less and less trash talk from them, but um, it was still fun. So um, I'm going to say Miami. Okay, cool. We've got all that laid out now is for our award ceremony. It's going to be very quick. Who's your Bearcat offensive player of the year? Drum roll, please. I'm going to say it is Charles McClelland. And I'll give you one reason why. Two season-ending injuries. Fifth year, still going out there and producing. When he had other guys in the running back room that were coming for that job, and we all wondered, like, where are these guys? Where are these other guys? Why is Mm -hmm. Charles McClelland? Charles McClelland held on to that spot all year. So shout out to Charles. He gets my offensive player of the year what about you justin that's a very good pick um as much as it will probably pain a large crowd uh ben bryant hey <laughs> it's it's one of those things where like we've got so much that we'd love to uh you know take sorry i'm getting called there we go what <laughs> oh ben my bryant. god <laughs> ben bryant's calling me right now no yeah ben bryant i'm sorry it's it's got to be like as much as as much as people would love to argue that like no love for Tyler Scott I don't know man like Ben Bryant I I think I think we all saw what we needed to see from Evan in the past few games that that it's it's the it's not it's not Evan's fault for the system that it is and it's not Ben's fault for the system, but it showed why he was actually the quality quarterback at the beginning of this year. I'm going to get flamed. I'm going to get clipped by somebody saying that. But seriously, like Ben Bryant came in and did his job. And when he when he was not starting on the field, things didn't work out. I mean, the Arkansas game, I'm going to chalk up to lack of preparedness for an entire team. The UCF game, it's hard to explain that one away. The rest of them, I mean, it it happened. Like it's, I I don't know who else, like as an individual other than McClelland, you could give it to personally. Like Tyler, I mean, Scott. Tyler Scott, I I Tyler Scott's a great option. I just think like consistency wise, as much as Ben had like games where he was on and off, 
look across the board. It might not be beautiful, but look across the board. He was at least pretty straight on the rails. I don't know. I it's, that's tough. It's a tough choice. <laughs> Say, take me to defense, Justin. I don't want to fight <laughs> with you anymore. Ah, uh, it's an easy one. Who is the uh, unanimous all American? Ivan pace. There you go. Answer I don't even think we need to have a conversation about that one. Nope. Uh, and just for the sake of being different, I'm going to go with Dante Corleone, uh, two Coleraine boys holding it down for the defensive side of the ball. What uh, still has another year. <laughs> Ivan Pace still has another year, by the way. So maybe if he came back another, you never know. I mean, I don't want to hold him back from being a draft pick or anything, but man, like you have him back there for another, that's a big help for Scott. South. Anyway, Justin, your special teams player of the year. Give it to the Australian man. That little rugby kick at that was the game changer this season. I mean, I, I would, I would love to give it to Co, but I think just consistency wise, like every single week, every single time. Oh man, he's booting it. Like in a way that we've yeah. like never seen before. Like we've had some good, I mean, Jimmy was a great punter too. And even so like still blown away at the capabilities from flash. Yep. yep. And I have to agree with you there. Um, I think that it's fine that we're unanimous on Fletch because everyone loves Fletch and I'm not even like slating Ivan by not making him unanimous on ours, but I just wanted to highlight Dante Corleone and his amazing season, but yeah, it's gotta be Mason for the special teams. I agree. Uh, he was, he, he was booming them this year. He was a yeah. no boomerangs either for the Australian. <laughs> you know, he was, he was really, really sending them deep. So, and I think that's so helpful for our, our defense, you know, got to set up yeah. the punt. The offense was definitely helping set up the punt at some times this year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> love those three and outs. Gotta love, love it, baby. Three and outs. All right. On to draft hopefuls. Just wanted to highlight this real quick. Give me a quick number on how many Bearcats you think will be drafted this spring in the first seven, well, so, seven rounds. Not free so, agents. Um, they're, not, un, not unsigned free yep. agents. Yep. Uh, so I'm just from the guys who have left and the guys who we think might leave, um, you know, the big ones that stand out to me are Tyler Scott, Josh Wiley, Leonard Taylor. Um, and then, you know, like uh, there's, the, you know, Javon Hicks, maybe, um, but. Um, I would say three. I would say definitely Scott Wiley, and I think Leonard Taylor has a chance. But they all have a chance to be selected. So um, maybe Jabari as well. Um, people love defensive linemen from UC. I feel like there's, you know, Marquise Copeland is still playing in the league right now, and you know, obviously MyJ Sanders is playing. So, um, yeah. well, maybe we'll keep the tight end you going too with Wiley and Taylor. But yeah, um, I'll just say three conservatively. Gotcha. Um, I would say under the assumption that like everybody who we think would go to the draft goes and like, not like a, you know, like an Ivan situation where like, you think that he would probably, you would hope that he would say, I think if he goes, I'm going to say four, I think it's that three, four is a good ballpark. I mean, I think there's just legitimate possibility with how highly graded these guys are and with statistically where they've shown up and just skill set wise, defensive and offensively, I think we've got enough set to like, I, I would say our high, if Ivan goes in the draft, I think there's a legitimate reason for him to be a first round pick. 
I don't know if that'll happen, but I think it's a legitimate reason for him to be a first round pick. If you're a consensus all American, I think it makes sense. I mean, if you've got an offense and a defense for your all Americans, you've got still what 20, uh, what is that? 25. I guess if you include your punters and kickers too, however, they slot them into offense and defense. So you've got a first round right there. If you went straight to the board, I think first round, second round at latest for him, um, for the rest. Still didn't win the butt kiss though. What a joke. Yeah, that's, that's a joke. I mean, of course they'll give it to the, to the boys from Iowa, but they got to give them something. I mean, they, they need something. And I no, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. They got breakfast pizza there. They're fine. They are fine. <laughs> they are fine indeed. All right. Last part on this in season in review is a season ahead. A way too early record prediction for the first season in the Big 12. If you're just throwing this out there, let's just say we we don't know what our schedule is, but we can assume the selection of teams that we're going to get in our first few games in non-conference. What do you got for me? Um, so it's pretty um, not widely known, but it's a pretty strong rumor that the Bearcats first road game as a big 12 member will be in Austin against the Texas Longhorns. So that would be a fun one. Um, there are some thoughts too, that obviously we play UCF West Virginia. Uh, yeah. The, the fill in the rest. There's like, nine games uh we we should have got it by now but there's some negotiations going on so we'll see what happens but um justin i'm gonna be a little bit um you know set the bar low for this team uh i've i I even thought it when fickle was here um you know we we're a good team but i i just wonder about the talent on the roster and um i want to set the bar low so that they can overachieve i'm gonna say we're gonna go seven and five Seven and five. No bowl game? The seven and five? That's a you're going to a bowl game at seven and five. Oh well, yeah, I guess that would because you'd be missing the conference championship. I'm so used to calculating the conference championship game in there that I'm like, wait, why would you not be able to? Yeah, okay, no, that makes sense. Seven and five. I are we scheduling a trip to Hawaii? We can get a yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could sneak one in. The, the old COVID maneuvers, the last minute scheduling. Um <laughs> You're you're like right there with me. I was gonna say, I was gonna say seven and six, uh, but I guess seven and five actually makes sense with the way that it maths out. Um, because seven and six would require some really weird circumstances to then end up in the conference championship, and that's not math. So seven and five sounds really good. I'm gonna say six and six. I I I'm, okay. I'm with you. I would love to be hopeful about it, but I think. Under a new coach, under a new system, your recruiting is still going to be a little bit behind. Everybody's going to need to gel. You're talking like you're going. This is this is not like a culture continuation kind of conversation. This is a culture like reset. As much as you would hope that it is a continuation in some aspects, Satterfield is a very different coach than Luke Fickle. And with that is going to come a brand new staff with a lot of different people in there. A lot of different players. You're going to have some retention, but who knows? We don't even know what our, we have no idea what our quarterback situation is going to be next year. We have no idea what our tight ends and our receivers situation is going to be offensively. It is a up in the air thing. Defense, I think hopefully should be pretty sound and knowing how they prioritize defense. We can expect to be good, 
offense, I think is going to be same as this year. You're throwing a dart at a board blindfolded and just hoping that you hit. Uh, so with that, I yeah. don't think that we're going to be able to win the games that we need to win first season. I, I give it three seasons before we have a nine win season. And I, I think that's fair for coach Satterfield to a new guy and coming into a, a new school. And I, I, I do think he can have some success here. I'm going to be optimistic, uh, choosing optimism just because of how bad the situation was at Louisville and how well he did under a great situation for football at App State. And yes. I'm hoping it can translate over. Um, I definitely am hearing all the naysayers from inside and outside of the UC community. I hear you. I respect <laughs> your opinion. I'm choosing optimism. So I hear you. I respect your Scott's opinion. Tots. Shut up. Exactly. I'm hope I'm cheering for Scott's tots. You know, hey, Mr. Scott, what's you gonna do? What's you gonna do to make a dream? All right, all right, never mind. That's a bad office episode. We can't really bring that one up. <laughs> Justin, uh, can we can we get up to speed uh, yes. in the recruiting angle? An important part of Scott Satterfield's uh, upcoming tenure with the Bearcats. You can get us up to speed. Ooh. Do it. Thank you. We need some speed racer sound. I'm vroom, vroom back here. Okay. Um, so you're not going to like this number I'm putting out, Justin, but the Cats are number 80 out of wow. 130 in the 247 ranking. That's like less than half. Signing day. <laughs> I know. I know. I wonder why that could be. Hmm. Um, uh, so basically, long story short, there's a lot of the UC kids that decided to uh, decommit and fall either – follow Luke Fickle to Wisconsin or choose their own path. Um, weirdly enough, going to Kentucky, I can't stand when kids go to Kentucky. Uh, I, I don't like Kentucky. They keep stealing our players. Um, but anyway, I mean, it's kind of expected that, you know, it's going to be a tough class transition. Um, I didn't check Luke Fickle's incoming class at Wisconsin, but I've been told by all reports that it's bad and not good. So wow. tough for you there, <laughs> Luke. Enjoy yeah. that. Um, but I, I do want to highlight some of the guys, uh, some of the positive news around the recruiting rankings. Um, four-star Michigan QB Brady Drogish, who just won Michigan Mr. Football and won the state championship for his high school. Uh, dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's that's a big-time win for Scott Satterfield to keep him here. He's among seven Bearcats who stayed committed to UC after the coaching change. Uh, there's also former Louisville three-star safety commit Jaden Davis, he flipped his commitment to Cincinnati from Louisville. Uh, and then two transfers followed Scott Satterfield for up 71 to Cincinnati. Uh, they are elder grad oh, offensive lineman Luke Condra and uh, Louisville linebacker Dorian Jones. And you, he also got pen- – that's right. That's <laughs> right. And uh, he also got pen transfer uh, O-lineman Trev- Trevor Radosevich. So um, I think this was going to be an important part uh, and <laughs> – I actually just listened to Desmond Ritter's uh, uh, press conference from today uh, or uh, about how he played on Sunday and how he felt in his first game. And he said, shout out to all my guys at Cincy, all my own linemen, but I never had an Alabama O-line in my days there. I was like, oh. <laughs> Damn. That's Man, rough. That's a, that's a thinly veiled shot at uh, Mr. Luke Fickle's recruiting there. Uh, yeah. But it's been a, it's not a secret that our uh, our own line play has not been great over the years. So, but I do like that Scott Satterfield is noticing that. Um, obviously, Evan Tangisdola is a, a number five O lineman in the nation who is still recruit, uh, committed to Cincinnati as of uh, right now, and will probably sign his letter of intent tomorrow. Um, and so, uh, you know, Wednesday when the 
early national signing day. So whenever you listen to us, you know, that's happening. So um, I think that's a big thing too, for Scott Satterfield to recognize, okay, uh, the O-line needs needs to get beefed up a little bit. And we saw Louisville's O-line, they still, they beat us back pretty good on Saturday. So in the, in the one half that I watched, (laughs) we got beat up pretty good on both sides of the ball. So I do think that there are some positives to that. And I, I, I think, you know, just trying to get some O-line help for, whatever quarterback we have playing this year, you know, uh, there's still a possibility that some kids could flip on national signing day, the early one or the late one. There's still a possibility that transfer portal uh, could work out and we could get pull a quarterback or some other talent out of the portal. Um, But, you know, I I mean, that's obviously not a great number to start at number 80 for uh, Scott Satterfield in his first year. But um, I, I think like, you know, Getting keeping Drogish is huge. I think that's so important uh, in this because you know if you have a quarterback, you can kind of build around that. You know, mm-hmm. we saw that with Desmond Ritter over the years. You get that quarterback, you can build around that. And if Brady Drogish is able to keep producing like he did in high school, like you can hopefully build around that. So I would. It's uh not not looking ideal, but you know, but we got one a couple bright spots. I I got a quick question for you. And this one is going to put you in a corner. Scared little cat in a corner. Answer the question now. Gun to your head or you die. Who plays a quarterback next year? Evan Prater. Does Ben Bryant stay? Or if you have Drogosh in there, are you starting Drogosh over everybody else and saying, sorry about you? Man. No feelings. No feelings. Okay. Drogosh. Drogosh. There it is. Get him in there. Start him. Get him in, in there. there. You know is, why? Yeah. You know why? Because we have no wide receivers and Evan Prater might just be going out there at a wide receiver. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Would he be like Garen and do the same thing? Be in a I wide mean, receiver? He, he could probably be like the, uh, my old UC heads will like this name, uh, Jordan Llewellyn of this offense and just come in for a third down running, rushing play that everybody knows it's going to be a run. And, you know, I, I do think there's some value in still having him at the quarterback position and getting him to run the ball a little bit. But I mean, all of UC's wide receivers are in the transfer portal, man. Like I think they're, they've vocal vocalized their displeasure in having uh, Evan Prater be the quarterback. And that stinks for Evan. I feel bad for him. And obviously he got his chance to shine and it didn't work out. And I don't know, like it just, it sucks that like he's the, all these wide receivers are either going to the draft or going to the transfer portal because like that's it's not great for us next year yeah. so um i would say drogish what about you i i'm with it man i mean it sucks because i i mean ben obviously i don't think anybody has a special attachment to unfortunately mm-hmm. like a thank you for your time but b like you know it's it's evan i feel like gives you upside for time left if you go with Evan and there is potential, you know what you have and you know what it can be. You know that there is a ceiling that you have not hit yet and it just needs the right parts around it. But at the same time, why dick around with another quarterback who's going to need to get used to the system, who's going to get need to get gelled against a new court, a new coach with everything that he's been used to. There's another change you throw Drogish in there like you're starting with a new coach, with a new system, with a new quarterback. Everything is new. 
get it out the gates. You know that he can throw. You know that he can run. You know that he's got all the capabilities, but you know that he's got an arm and you can you can build around that. Like you said, I mean, it, it's it's like plaster right now. Like just fix it where you can. And honestly, I think that would be the key is just have a guy who's like young that you know is probably going to screw up and you can explain away some screw ups in the first season. And at least you have that starting point going forward. I mean, it's the same thing. We've talked about this with basketball, which we will get to here in a minute, but with basketball, it's the same deal. Like, you know, we said forever. It's like, all right, you've got some old guys here. You got some old Cincinnati guys, Cincinnati across the chest kind of guys. And yet do you, do you, you don't want to say screw off? Like you're not going to say screw off. You don't want to say thank you for your time to these guys either. These guys are bought in and committed, but it's a, you're going into a new conference you have higher expectations. You have higher expectations of your players and of your program to succeed. Are those guys who you know what you've got in them going to do that for you? And if time and again, they've shown you no, why are you keep kicking around the same thing? Like it's try something different. I mean, that was the whole thing, conversation with Ben and Evan this year is like, Ben, you know what you're going to get. And like I said this earlier, but he was consistent as much as it was a mess to, to a degree. He was consistent enough through the course of 10, 11 games. Prater, like you, it's you, you don't have enough time. And I think, I think this sucks for him because you have a guy like Drogish coming in who you really would expect to like be good enough to start. And Evan got screwed on time because he got put into a situation that is not great. You get Tulane, so you get the best team you've had all year, playing for conference championship, granted at home, but you have a lot of different elements going into that game. You probably, at that point, have Fickle 90% of the way out the door, and there's some weird air around the program, and next thing you know, like you have a bowl game that is a throwaway with literally nobody to throw to and nobody that you're used to playing with he did not have enough time to develop and it sucks because this might just be the point where you've got to say it didn't work out. Maybe it does, but I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think he's a Cincinnati kid through and through. Is is this a situation where if Drogas were to start next year, you're coming into camp and you're looking at that. Does he transfer? I don't think so. I think he's Cincinnati enough that he just rides the wave, but at the same time, like, it's a toss up. That was a, that was a really long winded answer, but like, I, I think this quarterback conversation of this year was like, we all thought that was like crazy and just like all over the place and very like fueled this next year. If we managed to maintain Ben Bryant managed to maintain Evan Prater and have Drogish in the lineup. And then if Lichtenberg decides to stay, it's going to be chaos this conversation this past year is going to be nothing in the light of what we're going to have next year so just be warned what happens in camp is going hopefully they will i don't know be flexible so we don't have the conversation of game eight all right well fuck like can we try something else but it's too late always nice to be the backup that's uh yeah i guess <laughs> well uh the, do we want to just go to the other side for basketball yep 
Basketball. It is time to cover the unanimously basketball school Bearcats. Whatever we are now. Are we basketball a- school? Everyone's been saying it. School? I don't know. Uh, I guess we're a basketball school again, but we got to live up to the name. <laughs> you can't be a basketball school and go 50 or 500 in conference play. All right. Yep. Well, with that said, um, from where we last left off, uh, Crosstown, the shootout, whatever you want to call it, it sucked again. Uh, we lost again four years in a row. Uh, first time that that has happened to either team since 1979. Um, is there a, a, a sucky air in the air? Yes. Um is is are we determined to right our wrongs in the shootout? I don't know. We'll see what happens next year. But are we righting our wrongs since the first half of the shootout this year? Yes. There is something that has worked, and I believe the name of that is Kenyon Martin going into the locker room at halftime and saying, do you like to play for Cincinnati or not? Do you know what this program is about or not? If you do, get off your ass and play some fucking basketball. I don't know what his pitch was. I wish we had video. I wish we had like a Deion Sanders kind of thing where you just get real zoomed in on the guy who's like crying and like, all right, man, it's time to go. This is go time. Something that he said, we figured it out. It clicked and the Bearcats have won every single half since his peck pep talk i i don't know what he did but he did something yeah yeah exactly and i i think there's something too to that where you know he 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 really sparked the team um at the time i was uh i was not doing well so i was like is this an <laughs> indictment on wes um why are we not paying more attention to this game I think I got too warped in a football, Justin. So I'm like, every game has to be like when life or death. And if, if you don't <laughs> yeah. pay attention to this game now, well, I do think that, you know, winning these games is obviously important. Um, and, you know, for the goals of this team this year, looking back on it and seeing how they fought back in the second half, they didn't just lay down and die. I do think just in hindsight, it was a net net positive, you know, like, Last few years, we've just been, well, not in 2020, but, you know, we last year we got blown out in the game. The year before, uh, in 2019, we were not really competitive either. Um, and we were competitive in the second half. And, you know, we probably could have won the game if we didn't make it all the way back. But, Justin, I, if I'm being real with myself, that, the, that was the most excited I've been about Bearcats basketball since the Illinois game and possibly since, like, that, that Temple game to end the 2020 season. Um, oh, when David oh. Julius hit that shot, I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. Oh like just, yeah. Yeah. I was just, it was a magical moment. Um, and obviously it didn't work out for this in the end, but, um, I, I am happy with how, uh, how the, like, you know, how we played in the second half. Yeah. I, I would say, um, of the mental peaks that have happened, uh, the 2019, 2020 season, uh, the end of that, when, uh, Trayvon Scott hit the uh, tip in uh, against Temple. Yeah, that game that that was that was that was otherworldly. And then you get to the DDJ shot, and then you get to this game. Like 
those are the peaks. I think the Illinois game, as much as it was a peak, I think we just dominated the entire game that like it didn't, we were like in cruise control and Illinois was objectively bad. I mean, it's not like we beat like Arizona who was playing the way Arizona beat us this year, but like, I think, I think this game like showed what the Bearcats can be in one, one filet cut, one filet cut of a season, that tiny, tiny little serving that you're going to get. That is as good as it gets. And that is Bearcat basketball. They play tough. They played hard. Everything was there, but you had to crawl back from like a 17 point deficit and they tied the game, which Bearcats crawling back from 17 points down. I don't know who or what individual or team you could possibly talk about for the Bearcats over the past 10 years that have the capability of doing that. But we have not done well in those situations and we did really well in that game. And I was really surprised to see how much of a fire they had in them for that one. But I don't know. I mean, that, that felt really positive. I agree. And I hope that moving forward, like we can continue to build off of that and we can see that kind of consistency and not see like what the first half was, which was completely opposite. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm, this is, this is, a am going on so many long tangents, but it feels like it's just the end of the football season. We're in the end of non-conference for basketball, but when are any of our teams going to just play two hard halves back to back? I don't care if it's like, I'm tired of the, like the end of one, the, the second half in the first half being the hard halves. Make it the first half and the second half in one collective game. I don't care if we lose by 10, 15, 20 in the next game. Just put two solid halves together and beat a team by 40. That's all I ask yeah. for. That's well, all I ask. I mean, well, if you if you like points, Justin, uh, they did beat up on Miami pretty good last week. Now, Miami stinks, but it was nice to beat Travis Steele. Nice to beat Miami after uh, playing them close last year. You know, yeah. I, I do think that it, that showed some improvement and then – uh, you know, beating a, a an all right LaSalle team by by 18 on Saturday was good as well. Uh, Detroit Mercy is five and seven. Um, so obviously I don't want to count chickens before they hatch. But if the Bearcats were to win uh, Wednesday night's game, it would make them nine and four in non-conference. They went 10 and three in non-conference last year. So about the same. But I do think that this team is trending better. And we're going to see that right away next week when they host Tulane first game out of conference uh first game uh in the conference last year was that Tulane game right after the Cotton Bowl where we lost and that sucked um (laughs) for uh first game last year was Tulane and you lost that game first game this year is Tulane at home again um and I really want to see how they can respond to that challenge because I do think that this is an opportunity and you know we've seen Tulane become a, a, a pretty decent team in this league and that's weird to say because Tulane basketball for as long as I've, we've been in this league has mostly just stuck. So, um, you know, Ron Hunter, shout out, you know, the, the, the boys down there in are playing pretty good. So, but like I said, 10 and three last year, nine and four this year, um, Justin, I think the goal is to go <laughs> like, you know, they went seven and 11 in conference last year. I think if you can do better than that, you know, obviously <laughs> things are improving. And yeah. I, I think there was some, uh, some, certainly some questions about Wes Miller and how good of a job he's doing. And uh, he's going to 
be able to keep this job for at least a few more years because he signed a contract extension and got that bag. Extendo? Um, so, yeah. So he, <laughs> he's going to be here, I would say, at least four more years before you think about firing him just because that buyout is pretty hefty. And, and if if somehow Hubert Davis doesn't work out at UNC, um, they – they were ranked number one to start the year this year, and then they kind of crashed out. But and in you know they were just in the national championship game last year. I don't. I think he's got a very long leash at UNC. Yeah. But anyway, if the alma mater were to come calling for West Miller, that means West Miller's doing a good job, and that means they're going to pay that buyout. And by all means, you know, like go home, and you know, as long as you serve us well, then I'm happy with it. Um, but anyway. Um, I do think that Justin, anything above seven and 11, like I said, is an improvement for this team. And I, I do think that this league stinks. Once again, I did mention before, uh, to you in our chat before the game that um, <laughs> Temple lost a bye game to Maryland Eastern shore, which does mean that they're going to beat us somehow oh, yeah. um, and like play us really tough. Uh, Happy like New Year. Do. Yeah. Yeah. January 1st, 3 PM game at Temple. Um, People might be watching the Bengals game. So, you know, if we lose that game, it might not be the most watched game in Cincinnati. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do think that, you know, they they should be better um, this year in the uh, in the in conference. And like if you split one of both Houston and Memphis, I do think you have a shot to be on the bubble. And, you know, if you really get hot, you go like 14 and four in conference, you're sitting at a, like, you know, about 22 and eight team heading into the conference tournament. And you're, I think you're squarely on the bubble and, you know, uh, from all other expectations and take out the bad NKU loss, we've lost the games we've lost and uh, that we are probably not supposed to win. We lost the games that we lost. <laughs> that's true. Excellent we we analysis. Lost. How about that? Right. So, okay. I've talked enough. Um, but I do want to say real quick that uh, playing Odie and Vic seems to be working really well for them yes. right now. Um, and I do think that the offense, uh, offensive resurgence is really going to paper over the cracks of the defense not exactly being there right now. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. I think, like like you kind of mentioned, the biggest goal, I wouldn't even – it's not the 7-11. It's it, – you better be 500 this year. That's – you got – you could get away with it in year one. Year two, you've got more. You got more to go for you. You have you've returned some quality players. You got to go. Like this thing's got to start rolling, and you have to be five hundred this year. Like I think if you're not five hundred, you've got some serious problems in conference because, it. I mean, you've got Memphis, you've got Houston, you have newly re, you know revived Tulane. Um, you don't know. I don't really know what you're gonna get in Wichita this year. I'm. Wichita does not look very good. Um, they've had some stinky losses um, and some not so convincing wins. If we're looking at this real quick, they lost to Alcorn and San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco, I will say, is a little bit better of a team than they get credit for. But, um, you know, beating teams like like they have, it's, it's, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about that game, but those kind of teams at this point you should be beating. You shouldn't have an issue with and the USFs of the world. You shouldn't be losing on senior night. Uh, as long as we can materialize those games into some wins, I think we'll be fine. I think the SMU games, you should be able to take care of 
Never sleep on them because they usually are quality, even if it doesn't show up right on the board. UCF, Tulsa, I think should be fine. ECU should be fine. Temple should be fine. If you add all those together, and if you lose Memphis, Houston, Memphis, Houston, Tulane, Tulane, that's that's six losses in conference. You got a whole lot of other wins. And I, I'm not very good at math, but... Seven and eleven versus like twelve and six. I think you would take any day. So, uh, yep. and that's if you were to lose every single one of those games and to win all of those. So, I think there's a lot of potential. Do we do we edge into a bubble? You've got to beat a Houston. You've got to beat Memphis, and you've got to beat Tulane. You have to go one and one in all of those at least. Yeah, probably got to beat UCF too. UCF has been like pretty solid this year so yeah. far. So. Um, I agree. And um, I think, you know, obviously entering a much tougher league next year, you might not get a chance right away to just go straight into, uh, you know, the the NCAA in year three, because obviously the competition is leveling up. So if West can really like make some hay this year, get back to the tournament, if possible, I really think that would help fans in his eyes. And I got some pushback from this in the, in the Cincy slang and discord uh, join it, by the way, if you're, uh, if you're interested in talking some Bearcats with us every day. Um, I, I do think that like, you know, if he had won that game, if Wes had won that game, that Xavier game, I think any of his possible detractors would be all on board. Um, yeah. And I don't know how many people are off him right now. And uh, you know, time, time will tell as this season goes on, but I do think him getting in the conference uh, in, into the, NCAA tournament would be a big one for him um, to yeah. like really solidify. Okay. We're doing something here. This is not a great league, but we're still able to get in, whether you win the conference tournament or you get in as like a third at large bid, which, you know, is a, is a tall task. I, I don't even think you see top 100 in Ken Palm right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I, I, I do think that you can really prove some of the doubters wrong with a really great conference run. Yeah, no, and I'd I'd agree too. I mean, like, if you can make that conference championship game, I feel like it's kind of that if everything wasn't screwed over and screwed up about uh, John Brandon's last season, I mean, look at the run that the team made. Like, that's a sort of, I feel like a Kevin Ollie situation where they're like, screw this, we're doing it ourselves. But I mean, it's, if you can, if you can make one of those runs, it really changes the conversation around your team going forward. Um, Um, I take it back, by the way, UC is number 74 in Ken Palm. 74. So, I, mean, I was just about to look that you, up. You're right there outside of the field of 64, obviously. But, you know, like I, I do think that there's some good teams on your schedule still. UCF is 57, Memphis is 27, and uh, Houston is number two. So, I, and I do think that there is a possibility that UC could really make some hay in those games. And then, you know, Tulane as well. Um, I, I think you just got to focus on winning those road games. That was a big one for us last year. Um, but, you know, I, I I think if you're able to shoot the lights out as often as, as they have been, it can paper over a lot of the cracks of a bad defense. And I do think the defense will improve as the year goes on. But Justin, you're more of the basketball, like, like, you know, scheme guy, like all that stuff, you know, a lot more about the game than I am. What am I, what are you seeing that I'm not with this team right now? I think it's less about our team and more about other teams. Um, I just, I want to point out this one game because I think this is the most important game of the year. Um, 
definitely one of the hardest, but most important game of the year, that Houston game at home, January 8th, that's winnable. I really believe it. Everybody's going to think that like, you see the number next to Houston, they're number three. It looks, you know, really pretty and flashy. Houston came in with a benefit of being ranked really freaking high. I don't remember what their exact ranking was, but I'm pretty sure they were like top three, top four going into the season. Um, maybe I think it was like two, maybe um, you, you go into, you look into their schedule a little bit and you look at how they've played. It hasn't been the most convincing number three that you've ever seen. They've beaten some like teams, you know, outright and they've beat some good teams too, but in their 11 and one run, I think that there's some really close games against teams that they should have beat. Kent state is my biggest outlier here. 49 to 44. Maybe it's an off night. Got to take care of it there. They beat number two, Virginia. We'll give them their due credit there. Lost to Alabama, 71 65. That's another close game. St. Mary's at home, 53 48. St. Mary's not a bad team, but also not a great team this year. And so, like when it, when you look at that, like I, I don't know. Like uh, St. Mary's, they've lost to Washington, New Mexico, and Houston. They beat North Texas and Oral Roberts, Hofstra. They they they, they haven't really played anybody that they've beat everybody they're supposed to beat, and they've lost to teams that they're not supposed to lose to. I think if you weigh Houston's schedule out against what we've played so far, what we've had the chance to play against so far this year. Houston's not going to have enough time to like play against a lot of quality opponents outside of what they already have. Like it's, it's going to get slowed down into conference real fast for them. And if they're playing down to their opponents at all, and UC's offense is on for one game, two halves this year, that is the game that it has to be on. You win that game. It's screw the crosstown shootout. You win that game your conversation around this team, around Wes Miller, around everything about this narrative for the 2022 season gets reset. You, you're you're going to have a court stormer. If, if Houston wins out into that game, you've got a court stormer. You've got that energy game back in fifth third. You've got a memorable game for the season, something to hang your hat on. You need that. That's yep. that game for me. So yep. I think that's my biggest, um, biggest thing to point out for this season going forward. Aside from that, I would say probably, you know, as much as it is a gimme, the Memphis game at home too. I think the away games, Houston away, it's not like they have a raucous environment. We all know what Houston is. They don't show up. Their fans just don't care, yet they seem to be very good anyways. Very unfortunate for such a quality team and such a quality coach. Um, But I think for a home environment for Memphis and for Houston, if you can win at least one of those, if you could manage to sneak out both of those, this team has a lot going for it. And you can explain away some other mistakes. I think if you do win that Houston game though, and then you go in and you lose to like Tulsa or UCF or USF or ECU or Temple, any of those, we're gonna be we're gonna be furious, foaming at the mouth because we know what this team can be same way that we were at the end of the Xavier game. Like it's, it's, we know what that is, but yep, I think this team has a lot going for it. It's just gotta be able to be put together two halves, one complete puzzle. It is not hard to do two complete halves. It is hard to do two complete halves 
two, three, four, five, six, seven games in a row, but to do it for one game, to get it right for one game in one part of your season, it's not hard to do. Figure it out and we'll be yep. good. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, just to read off the net real quick, bracketologist.com, shout out. Uh, they, they're really big and they, they're very helpful for the college basketball season. So started out at 151. Low point this year was 167 after the NKU game. But currently the Bearcats are holding steady at 122. And uh, they're cut off uh, for bracketologist.com for a net rating to get into the playoff. It's our playoff, I'm sorry. The, the, the tournament field, Same we haven't difference. been there in a while, so I'm rusty. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, 53. So if you can keep winning some of these games and obviously leveling up, I think you got to have less than 10 losses. So if we can figure that out, maybe win. You got to win at least three of your six games. Uh, well, at least two of your six games against Memphis, Houston, and UCF. And because those are all quad one games, especially the road games, they're all quad one games. So, yep. um, and if you're able to, because the rest of these teams and, you know, at, at Wichita state is a quad two road game, but other than that, everybody else in the conference is quad three or quad four. And you can't lose any more of those quad four games. And the usual suspect. Quad, yeah, that's right. Uh, and NKU is looking to be a quad four loss this year. They have not really done much since that game. So, um, that one was a rough one. <laughs> and not, and not, don't like to see that. But. It's a quad four loss and it's still technically a home game. Yeah. Which is yep. like a quad four home loss, which is even worse. It's not, but yep. it is. Let's be honest. Yep. Uh, it, it was worse than the Presbyterian loss that I was at. I'll say that. So, <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's pretty impressive, Justin. Uh, the Bearcats have um, the, I'll count them off here. Seven games against Q1 or Q2 teams left this year. And we're only 12 games into the season. And um, I think next year when you get to the big 12, obviously you have more chances to get those quality wins and keep stacking. But if they're able to, I'll just say this, if they're able to beat all of those Q4 and Q3 teams they have, and basically just split by, or go four and three against those seven teams, I, you know, 50, that's 15 and three in conference. And I don't think like they'll go 15 and three. I'm thinking they'll go like 12 and six, 13 and five in conference. But yeah, I, I think, I do think they're a lot better than last year. I do think that they're more improved and we'll see what happens with injuries. If we're able to get some guys back and if, you know, they're keep, able to keep playing offense the way they are currently. And I could be just completely blowing smoke up their ass and they suck. And they were just, <laughs> they just play well. But I do think that Xavier game changed something. Um, yeah. And I do think like the, the defensive intensity has been there. Um, the offensive firepower has been there. I think Wes is figuring something out with his rotation right now. And really like, you know, if, if he's able to keep it rolling and just obviously win all the, win all the bad games and be competitive in the good games, I do think we have a shot here. Yeah. I would like to just say this too. Like we've mentioned this about a lot of players, about a lot of, uh, different games, all this throughout football and basketball, whatever. Now for basketball and specifically for Wes Miller, the next three months is your put up or shut up time. Because like we, you're not going to get like his first year was so completely overshadowed by football. I mean, it's 
I remember like, you know, we, we end up winning in the conference championship game. And now you're sitting on your ass for three weeks thinking and talking about football. Basketball is happening, but it's background. It's just white noise. As much as we hate to say that it is, it was white noise during all of that. You get to the bowl game. You're in, you're already started conference play by this point. And your whole focus is completely off. The season ends and everybody's still talking about football for like a week or two. People were done talking about football after we lost to Tulane. After, after Luke Fickle left the, that Sunday, when Luke Fickle left, we talked about football all day long. And then it was just shut down mode. Basketball is the focus right now. If you can't take advantage of this as Wes Miller, as the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball program, you're not going to get your shot. Like this is the time to really just like, say like, Hey, we have the, pro- like, we are that product that you've always known and loved come back in those, those fringe people that you're trying to sprinkle back in that you're trying to get, you know, just try to convince. I, I this is actually really funny. I've talked to, I remember talking to my boss about this. Um, he actually graduated from uh, UC as well. And he had said, when I talked to him, uh, I forget which game it was. I want to say it was U- after the UCF game. I was like, Hey man, did you check out the, um, it was like that we had a, God, what was it? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It was like the second or third basketball game of the season. And he was like, oh yeah. He's like, honestly, I haven't paid attention to basketball this year. I followed football. I can only follow one crappy team each year. Like, and it's sad, but it's true. Like that is what the greater, greater edge of Bearcats fans think. Because like when it starts to go south, like you've got to pick one lane or the other. People don't have the mental capacity like we do. And even sometimes we don't feel that mental capacity to follow football and then go straight into basketball and follow the roller coaster that is this Bearcats basketball program while football was doing so well. It was just easy to kind of sit back and enjoy the ride for football. Basketball is just mental gymnastics week in and week out. And so like, if you can just ease some people's minds over the next few months, win a game that, you know, you're not supposed to win, win the games that you are. Sure. You can lose a couple games. Be in the conversation this year. That is the goal. Don't, you don't even have to make it in, be in the conversation, give them a reason that like make them explain you out, but don't be so far out of the conversation that you're not even an afterthought. Like you have to be in the conversation for the bubble this year. You have to be getting that 68th, 69th to 70th team where you're like, we can't get enough teams in. Sorry guys. Maybe next year that is, you have to be that. And it sucks because we should not be talking about this. We should be talking about, well, shit, are we going to be like a seven seed? Or are we going to be like a four seed this year? That's what we want to get back to. But in order to do that, you have to take steps up the ladder. And this is that step right now. Take advantage of it. So, you got you got a nice, smooth ride in front of you. Just take advantage. Justin, as someone who uh, just a week and a half ago was saying, you know, John Brandon did recruit the best player we've had in about five years to UC. Uh, <laughs> I, I speak for all of us when I say I think Wes Miller would do himself a lot of good if he were able to be successful this year. And I don't like to be, you know, like, Debbie Downer, like, oh, everything stinks, you know, but I, I do think like, he, you know, he, he could 
bring back Bearcat basketball a little bit. And I think this is maybe an off-season topic we could talk about. Um, but I do think, you know, the luster of Bearcat basketball is kind of getting lost a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, you think about like, uh, and like this is something the slanging guys brought up. So I, I, if you want to listen to more about it, listen to them. But, you know, like these, the players that are playing for UC now, they don't really remember, you know, obviously like they're, they're our age or younger. They don't remember Kenya Martin. They don't remember the Bob Huggins teams. They don't, obviously they weren't alive for Nick Van Exel and I wasn't either, but um, they're just like us, man. They remember watching Sean Kilpatrick play when they were mm-hmm. in like, you know, grade school and high school. And I, I think there's something about that luster of UC being lost a little bit. And obviously these guys have that opportunity to build that back up. West Miller has that opportunity to build that back up. But I, I do think they, they this is a great chance for West Miller and the guys to say, okay, this is our time. You know, we this is our time to step up and really show, you know, this community and this school that UC basketball is back. And I, I, I think they can really win a lot of people back this year by just really. And I know I understand like you know the teams we're playing they're not very good, but if you get a little like if you get a little bit of that magic back and you know get students excited, get fans excited, get people back in the mood for Bearcat basketball again. I think that's just, just, just a success, no matter the record. Yeah, I I'm, I'm definitely agree with you here. I want to bring this point up because it's been lingering in my mind as we've been talking about this. If you look at the conversation, because you, you very specifically brought up Sean Kilpatrick and you, you brought up that kind of era of teams that I, I feel maybe we're not far enough out to be totally nostalgic about it yet. But look at the 2017, look at the 2018 teams, like with Gary Clark, with Jacob Evans, with Kyle Washington, with Troy Copain. We remember that. It was awesome. But I feel like there, and it might just be an age thing. This could just be me altogether, and I could just be spitballing here. But like, I feel like those guys did so much, but it was against such heavy expectations that like when we look back on it, we talk less about them and we talk more about Mick's failures and we talk more about Mick being, you know, mentally out of the game. And we talk less about their achievements as a team. And then I, I look at the, like the 2020, like Brandon team with the leftover players from that and look at how good they did. And like, they would have been in, I, I legitimately think that they would have been in the tournament that year. Had it happened. You look at that situation, you look at putting all those things together you go all the way back to the Sean Kilpatrick teams. You go back to the Yancey Gates era. Those teams, again, did not have the expectations that those 2016, 17, 18 teams did. And so this, I think we're again in that same point where it's like, you're expecting them to not be good. You're expecting them to be decent, to win here and there but you're not expecting to go in and win every game. You're not expecting to be a top 25 team. Those teams, they gave us so much to cheer for in a time when it was not the expectation. Like I think Mick was, you know, Mick had his time to build it up and it was a slow, slow churning machine that eventually got up to that 2017, 2018 kind of height. But those teams again, were coming off of years and years and years of like, just this sludge where it's like, you're trying to get the engine rolling again. And it's not happening. We're in the same thing where since 2018, we're trying to get this train rolling again. And I think if you can really like, just take advantage of this, you have a conversation 
to like move forward into the big 12, like you can revive this program. Like it's, it's, I think it's a narrative thing where like, I'm looking at it. Maybe I'm just getting way too deep into it, which of course I am, but whatever, like going into the big 12 podcasting. So exactly. You're here to listen to me, uh, complain and to linger on, uh, but like going into the big 12, like you have to be able to like, you, you, you have to have something going in there. You can't be the same conversation as last year. Like you, you can't just be, that was a team that, that was a Cincinnati team. Like, and, and I guess we'll remember it. Like it's like, you, you don't want to have these like guys that like fade in and fade out. You want to have the guys that's like, you're Jaron Cumberland's wow, like that's a name that's going to stick in my head forever. I will always remember the name Jaron Cumberland. Gary Clark, I will always remember that name, Gary Clark. Jacob Evans, Troy Copain, I will always remember those names. You got to have that guy. Right now, DeJulius is that guy, but like, because he obviously has had enough time to be here. But I think if we can get some of those guys like that were like SK, like Gary, where they're freshman starters, where they're going in and they're like, they're making it happen early and you can watch them develop with this team and you can get that team to grow. I think that's the core of Bearcats basketball where we really feel like nostalgic about players, where we really like develop that conversation, that love for players. And I feel like right now, because of all the things that have happened over the past four years, we don't have that same like infatuation, I guess, of with these players. Like David DeJulius, I think is that. And he he's not like Cincinnati out the gates. Like he came in here, he's been here a long time, but he like, he's not Cincinnati out the gates. So like, if, if we can get another guy like DDJ, who's that four year player who could be a four year starter, who could just come in and turn this team around. That's what Wes needs. That's what this team needs. You just need somebody that you can foster and build the team around. I don't know if it's one of these incoming freshmen, you know, you hope with this recruiting class, with the Rayvon Griffith, with the Jizzle James, with all these guys coming in, that you can really foster that and cradle that Cincinnati name, which is so very delicate and very important to take care of. And unfortunately, has been tossed around like, you know, everybody's seconds over the past few years. It sucks, but we need to be that team again. I am ranting way too much, but I'm just so caught up in like how this basketball team has not felt like what it was when we were growing up, has not felt like it, what it was when I was like, you know, in college, like the start of my college career, like I've just watched it slowly burn off and I don't want that to happen anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to be, we don't want to be apathetic about this program. We want to be energetic. You Read right. some life back into the team, Wes Miller, please. Let's go. <laughs> fire me up come on west baby come on you fire me up let's go i've talked way too long about that um any other point uh points to cover i i don't know i think we've talked way too long so i don't really have anything else um i think we covered it man <laughs> i think the last thing that i'll give here has nothing to do with uh bearcats What is the thing you're hoping most for on Christmas? Um, well, I am actually back in the Cincinnati region this week. Uh, and I have, I just wanted to say, I, I missed, uh, I'm, I missed a lot of foods. I had Penn station so far this oh, week. Oh, don't even say I that, know. man. I know. I'm sorry. I missed that place so bad. 
I know it's so good. Um, <laughs> I had uh, I've been yet to get to Skyline, but I will eventually. Um, I had the Arepa Place shout out. Oh, Arepa nice! Place. If you haven't been there, go there. It's great. Um, you know, I've had a, a, a couple of local delicacies that I've really enjoyed. But what I'm hoping for for Christmas, man, mm, nothing really. You know, I'm just just enjoying like uh, life's good for me right now, man. Other than obviously Bearcat Sports, which is what we're here <laughs> to talk about. Everything else in life is not too bad so um i'm just hoping for health and happiness and everybody out there in bearcat nation to have a safe and fun christmas um enjoy a beverage uh you know uh, spend some time with your family if you don't like your family just smile and let them and let them run around <laughs> you and you know just just you know laugh at some jokes and stuff and you know just you know you don't have to chime in you just sit there and enjoy it um just enjoy a beverage enjoy whatever libations you you partake in and libations. just have that's right yeah and uh and enjoy your your weekend off with your family so uh shout out to all you bearcat nation i am grateful for all of you for listening make sure if you're listening this long we really appreciate it but uh share it with your friends uh give it a five-star rating we really want to grow this thing in 2023 and uh, we we may or may not have some exciting <laughs> news coming for you soon so um i'm that's what i'm hoping for for christmas and also santa claus is real everybody don't don't let people deceive you. He's real. So be nice. If you if you don't believe that Santa Claus is real, um, have enough libations and check <laughs> out SantaCon. Yeah. <laughs> Santa Claus will become very real very fast. There's a lot of convincing folk there, as much as there are very not so convincing folk. Um, yeah, I'm on board with you there. Just enjoy Christmas. Enjoy the break if you've got one. If you don't, Spend the time with your friends, family. Remember, if you are like Steve and I, which hopefully this is your case, and your biggest concern in life right now and your biggest struggle is being a Bearcats fan, you've got nothing to worry about. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. This is we're we're so privileged if this is our only our <laughs> only struggle in life right now. Uh, so let's hope for a good economy for 2023. Let's hope we all get the extendo. We want the bag just like Wes Miller. We want some success. Let's all let's all hope for a very good 2023. We may or may not get another pot in before the new year. It just depends. We're both going to have some busy schedules here probably over the next few weeks, but we'll see. So don't count on it, but keep checking back in. With all that said, thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. It was a long one. Lots of fun conversations, lots of interesting deep dives, but that's what you get when you come to Viva La Cats. So again, thanks for listening and make sure to, uh, like Steve said, give us a rating. We're trying to grow this thing out and uh, keep sharing us. We've had some fun and I'm hoping you guys have had fun too. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Cats by a Zillion. Cats by a motherfucking Zillion, baby. <laughs> Get the libations. <laughs> Santa's bribe, Taft, Taft's uh, brewing shout out. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.